Welcome to the Nehemiah eCommunity Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Saguet. Uh, in today's podcast, I want to talk about Built to Last, Keys to Building a Lasting Legacy. Um, I'm on my way to Kenya uh, to be there with the Kenya team. Kenya team, greetings. I'll be there soon uh, with my wife, Gina Saguet, and, uh, and Joan Randall, our publisher. Uh, we we coming down for our annual trip uh, where we uh, go to different uh, strategic uh, countries where we work. It's part of our way to support uh, the entrepreneurs on the ground, our team on the ground, and then hopefully to help them um, with um, with growing their businesses, the organization, and to impact the kingdom in that area. So we're looking forward to it. And by the way, we're going to conclude the trip with a with a two-day safari trip. I'm really looking forward to it. If you've never been to a safari, I highly encourage you to do so, whether in Tanzania, in Kenya, or in South Africa. Great, great, great experience. Uh, so with that, so I want to talk to you. So uh, Frank uh, gave me the theme for their for this trip, uh, Built to Last. And so I want to kind of talk about what to expect, and, and I want to use this as an opportunity to kind of share my heart, uh, not only for this trip, but for those of you who are listening and watching, as to what does it look like uh, to build your family, uh, to build your business, or uh, to build your lives, lives? What does it look like to build a lasting legacy? Um, and so let me start with my own personal story. Um, my mother, <clears throat> I was born in Cameroon, Central Africa. My mother, beginning with my, actually, my great, uh, my great great grandfather was a, 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 a second degree, a first degree king in Cameroon, uh, in the tribe of Bamideke. So I come from a royal tradition, and then my grandfather was also giving his own territory. So my grandfather was also king. He was third degree, and all that means is the the, the amount of land that you controlled and the amount of people that you led and also the level of influence uh, that you led. My grandfather was actually not supposed to be king. Uh, he became king because of his uh, financial influence as well as his military influence. They gave him his own territory. He was from the blood, king bloodline, but, but, uh, but he, was, he was not, his father was not king, his grandfather was. And so, so they gave him his own territory. So he became King Johnny Baling the, the, uh, the first. That's my grandfather. And so he was also called the old lion. Uh, he was very influential, uh, one of the wealthiest people of his generation, of his time in that, in that, in that part of the world. Um, and he left us a great heritage. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a translator for the, for the French and the German. I'm sorry, for the British and the German. Um, he was a, a charismatic guy. He had about 80 wives, about 90 wives, and he had about 250 children. And he, he, growing up as a young man, I remember uh, we all we all admired Grandpa. I never met him. Uh, he died before I was born. But he left us this lasting legacy that made us all want to aspire and want to live a great life, want to become something because of the standard and the vision that he set forth. And then comes my mother. My mother, uh, when she was, when she was um, in the womb, my grandfather thought that she would be his his uh, his heir uh, because she thought it was a male, and then she sensed that she would have greatness. Uh, but when she was born, um, she was um, she was um, 
a, a woman. <laughs> so it was not a man, it was a woman. And so literally the, the tradition says that my grandfather literally hit his head and said, what have the gods done to me? This was supposed to be my, 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 my heir, my successor. But in our tradition, women uh, do not, um, do not uh, rule in terms of, uh, unlike let's say England or other monarchies where women can, be, can, be, uh, can rule the, the throne in our tradition we do not rule. So my mother therefore could not be uh, the king or the queen in this case. However, um, she was beloved by her father and, uh, and she was almost raised, trained to, to kind of live up to the potential that uh, was divinely put in her. And she went on to become a very influential one, had, a, had several businesses employed by over a thousand people. At one point, she became the most influential politician in the country. Uh, she, um, I mean, Lord, she, let's put it this way. When, when she did business in Europe, in, Af in, the, in the United States, throughout Africa, uh, she, when she died, uh, pretty much they had a national funeral. Uh, one of the very first time in Cameroon where they had a national funeral for a, um, a, a, an individual. And that was my mom. And it was neat taking my children there and they're seeing my children, seeing them honoring my, uh, their grandmother the way that they did. And so, of course, that left big shoes for myself and my siblings to fill. Uh, there are six of us. Uh, we have three males and three and three females. And so, and I remember my grand, my mother was dying. Uh, she didn't know she was dying, actually, but she was sick in the hospital after an accident. And she got all of us together. We were all on the phone. I was here in the, U in the U.S. My sister and brother were in Europe. And then my, no, my sister was in Europe. And then the rest of them were, were in Cameroon. And we were all kind of talking. Uh, and we, what we did know that this would be her last words to us together. And she really instilled in us to, 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 to not give up and to really towards unity. She asked for forgiveness uh, from us for the um, anything that she may have done. And, and it was interesting just hearing my mother. I, I get emotional even as I think about it. Just her sharing her last words to us. And um, I have to admit, we've not lived up to those last words, but there's still hope yet. So my mother uh, lived out the legacy of her father, and now it's up to us as her children. Uh, do we continue the legacy? So I want to kind of talk about how do you build lasting legacy? Because right now, my mother's legacy is on the balance. Uh, it's uncertain whether it will continue, whether it will stop at her. Uh, and so my sibling and I are working through it. It's not been easy. It's been five, six years since she's passed, and it's just been tough and difficult. And so part of what I want to do, what are some of the keys to a lasting legacy? That's going to be on this trip we're going to talk about. I'm going to kind of share with you a few things. So I gleaned from, so to prepare for this, I said, okay, who, what book or what work has been put together on lasting legacies? And one of my favorite authors, um, Jim Collins, uh, wrote a book. I guess this is part of where the Kenya team uh, got the title from. There's a book called Built to Last, Successful Habits of Visionary Companies that, has, that was authored by, by uh, Jim Collins, who wrote also uh, Good to Great, uh, Jim Collins and Jerry uh, Porras. And so in this book, uh, what they try to do is to uh, outline, they identified several influential companies, companies, about 15, 18 of them. Companies that have been that have been highly successful and has been built to last. 
and they identified traits, things that made him successful. And so I'm going to just share that with you a little bit. I think it's a great book. I've read the book. And so one, and by the way, this was based on research they did uh, that they identified the traits of these companies. And what's neat about the book is that their contrast between uh, they, they, they would, as they identify the companies that was built to last, they have a contract, they have a contrast. Another company uh, that that is a, a contrast to that to show what made this company great versus the other company. An example, for instance, uh, they have they compare 3M to Norton Abrasives, right? American Express to Wells Fargo, Boeing to McDowell Douglas, right? So you know, Citicor, right, to uh, or Citigroup now to Chase Manhattan, now Chase Bank. Right. So they kind of Disney with Columbia Pictures, right? Ford with General Motors. So they kind of have these comparisons to kind of give you a sense. It's almost like a case study, if you will. So let's first look at how they define visionary companies. So they define visionary companies as the premier institution in the industry, uh, widely admired and knowledgeable uh, business people. That's the leadership uh, made a blueprint on the world, had multiple generation of chief executives had multiple product and services life cycle and was founded before 1950, right? So now these companies have lasted since before 1950 and they're still around and still coming. That's how to define as uh, visionary uh, companies. All right, so let me give you a definition for, um, you know, as my, my title, what, what, what do I mean by building a lasting legacy? What I mean by that is being being able to create an influence uh, in your city, in your community, in your nation, or in the world that outlives your lifetime, right? Uh, how do you how do you build something that creates such an influence in your community, in your city that outlives your lifetime, right? So going back to my great grand great great grandfather, right? He began something. He built something. Right. And then it continued to my grandfather. My grandfather redefined it. My grandfather, without my great great grandfather, my grandfather would not exist. Period. At least would not have had the influence he did. Because part of what made my grandfather great was that he built on the legacy of his grandfather. Right. So even though his father was not king, his grandfather was. And so he built on that legacy. So there was a default influence. There was a default privilege that he had because of what his grandfather had done. And then part of what made my mother uh, uh, built her legacy was that she built on the legacy of her father because wherever she went, she was the royal daughter of King Johnny Balling, right? The old lion, right? And then she used leverage his the relationship he had built, right? The political relations, the business relations, the, the other monarchies, Right. She grew up in a, that level of privilege. She built up on, on top of that. Now, what has given me the opportunity, what I do in part is my mother. Right. The, she invested in my education, sent me to America. I grew up in privilege. My siblings and I grew up in privilege. It wasn't always easy, but we, we grew up in privilege. And that has given us a legacy to build upon. Now, it is our turn. What kind of legacy will we live? I have the privilege to be working with my brother and my sister. Uh, we have the privilege we have built in our project, and we'll see, right? I'm now with my children, right? Will they be able to carry that on beyond 
where I leave off, right? So, so the idea of building to last is that you, how do you build a foundation in such a way that generations after you can springboard from it, right? To continue, even if that legacy looks different. It looked different from my great-great-grandfather than my grandfather. It looked different from my grandfather than my mother. And it looks different from me than my mother. However, it's undeniable that without my great-great-grandfather, there would not be my grandfather. Without my grandfather, there would not be my mother. Without my mother, I would not be, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm living, I'm springboarding from their legacy, right? Built to last. You know, what are the keys to building lasting legacies, right? So, and I'm going to, by the way, if you want to hear these keys, join me in Kenya, right? So let me tell you kind of what, so, let me, before I, I go there, let me tell you about the book that, um, that, um, that, that Jim Collins and his friend wrote and some of the key things that the key ideas they brought forth, right? They brought forth an idea of clock building versus uh, not time telling. In other words, that's it, you know, uh, lasting companies go beyond a great leader to building a great institution, right? In other words, it's got to go beyond you. It's got to be institutional, right? And then they, they talked about you have to, they embrace the, 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 the genius of, that there was a secret sauce that they figured out that they had to build around. Uh, it was more than just about profits. They were about finding a, a purpose and built a core ideology. Right, it's got to be more than just about making money. Uh, they preserve their core uh, competency. That that's the student of progress. In other words, they, they change readily, but stuck to the core belief and core values. Right, there was some core identifying values that they held dear to. Right, this is where this term came up: big, hairy, audacious goal. Right, they thought big and aim high. Right, they created a cult-like culture. Right, there was this, this sense of cult-like adherence to the culture they created, right? And then they tried a lot of stuff and they kept they kept what works, right? So you got to try a lot of experiments and you had to keep what works, right? Fail often, right? And quickly, right? So you can identify what works, what doesn't work. They had homegrown management team. They hide from within. They raised up their own people. And good enough was never enough. They strive to do better tomorrow than they did today. Right, that, those are my ideas, some keys that comes out of the book Built to Last by Jim Collins, um, building uh, visionary, uh, building success habits of building of visionary companies. Right now, let's talk about this trip in Kenya. What are the things I'm going to bring up? Now, the way this trip is organized is that uh, we're going to deal with first couples in business. Because if the, the keys to building a lasting legacy, is the family unit, all right, the family units. Now, I came from a polygamous family, uh, so my the family unit I came from is untraditional. It's a traditional African family unit. However, family was very important to us, all right, as dysfunctional as it was at times, right? It was very important to us. I grew up in an environment where family was key and was very important, right? And as kingdom people, and but because we didn't do it biblically, because it was tradition, not biblical, you can see there was some there's there's some cracks that we had to overcome. 
And so what we're going to try to do with couples is try to uh, discuss what does it look like to build a, to build to, as a couple, husband and wife, to build a marriage based on the reflection of, 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 of the script, of scriptures, to build a marriage based on biblical principles. What does it look like? Because one of the, one of the challenges with couples in business is that you've got this, this business thing that you're trying to build, right? Which often is the first child or another child, right? For my wife and I, it was our first child, right? And then, and you know, of course, there are three key things that break up marriages. There's, there's children, money, and sex. And I'm going to add a fourth thing for couples in business. I'm going to add business, right? Because business can be a threat through the marriage. And so one of the things we're going to try to share with couples is what are the keys to building a lasting marriage upon which you can build a lasting business, right? Because if you don't build a lasting marriage, you're not going to build a lasting business. Now, it's not to say that divorced couples are not able to build successful businesses, but whatever success they build is nothing compared to what they could have done had they not divorced. By the way, divorce is one of the number one robbers of wealth, right? Divorce is, divorce is very expensive. And trust me, even if you think you can afford it, you can't afford it. It's financially expensive. It's spiritually expensive. It's emotionally expensive, right? So what are the keys? How do you build your marriage to last, right? What are the keys to a lasting marriage, a lasting family, a lasting legacy, because the best legacy you can leave your family or your children is a lasting marriage. Not money, not business is a marriage. All right. So my wife and I will be talking about what has been key to us. Right. What has some keys that God has shown us? You know, we've my married, my wife and I, we've been married for about 20. This year will be 26 years. Um, we've been in business for 20, about 23, 24 years. Uh, we met when we were 16, right? We started dating at about 1920, right? We came to Christ at 21, right? We got married, I believe, at 22, right? We have two children, right? And we've been together for that long. And our marriage have gotten better and better and better. We've had our challenges. We've had our difficulties, right? But I tell you this, we're more in love today than we ever were, right? And that's a fact. We're going to share with you what's been the key to us and what are things that you can do to enhance your marriage so that you can build a lasting business. All right. So that's the key, because the key to building a lasting legacy is building a lasting marriage. Then the second thing we're going to focus on is going to be on business succession. Now, key to building to last is the successful, the effective ability to transition whatever you're building to the next generation, right? And, and there's, when we talk about succession, there's multiple dimensions of succession, right? So there's, there's ownership succession, which is the ability to transfer the business to the next generation. There's leadership succession, which is the ability to transfer the positions to the next generation, but there's also what I call legacy succession, the ability to transfer the legacy, right? The untangibles to the next generation. So let's go back to my family. So my grandfather built on the legacy of his grandfather, right? And 
he was giving a territory by his grandfather. So he inherited a, a huge piece of property from his grandfather, right? That became his territory. So he, so he had both, and positionally, uh, he was giving his own uh, his own rule. So he didn't have, he was not in the rank of my grandfather's, my great-great-grandfather's uh, or his grandfather's hierarchy in terms of um, monarchy. He had his own kingdom. And part of that was strategic as well. And I'm going to go a little bit into that if I have time. When I'm with you, it was strategic. So, so, so he, so he built on his father's, on grandfather's legacy, and on his grandfather's uh, wealth to be able to then now begin to build his. But so he didn't start from scratch, right? And he continued, and he took that legacy to a, de a different dimension. As a matter of fact, growing up, I didn't know that we came from a from a larger monarchy. I thought we were the monarchy, right? That's how incredible he did. I thought we were the monarchy. Until later, as I grew up, I discovered, wait a minute, we, we are actually cousins of a larger monarchy that we came from, right? And that was intriguing. And so, uh, by the way, I'm working on a book on my mom where I'm going to kind of try to, uh, try to, you know, share a lot of the insects. I think there's so much to learn from Africa's, African monarchies that has been, that's a gift to the world that I think the world has lost. And, and I tell you, I would not be the man I am today without my family, without my tradition, without my culture. And many times as Christian, we, we, um, we become Christians and we forsake our culture. When the Bible does not ask us, the Bible asks us to, to remove anything that exalt except against the knowledge of God from, from us as we become Christian, but it doesn't ask us to lose who we are, right? You were born in a culture, in a tradition, right? And those culture and tradition are very important, very healthy. You just gotta, you just gotta take out the this, this stuff that, that is inconsistent with the word of God, but the good stuff you keep because those are the roots that keeps you who you are. But anyway, I digress. So, 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 so he was able to, to build on top of that. So now my father, my mother, sorry, built on the legacy that her grandfather had. And, and then, by the way, my mother didn't start from scratch either, right? She leveraged her grandfather's wealth to receive financing for her first businesses, Right. And there was a whole debate in my family about that right now, my larger family about that right now, actually. Right. She leveraged. So part of why she felt partly uh, uh, my mother is known as she was the biggest philanthropist in my family. She's helped so many siblings, so many of my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. That she, I mean, she's just helped everybody because she felt in part that uh, that she was uh, she was blessed by by. Grand, by the grandfather, and so she felt she had to also be a blessing. First, she felt as a calling, but then second, I think she also felt sense of obligation because of how she also built her wealth, right? So she leveraged that, how she received her capital. She mortgaged some of the properties as a way to get her business going, right? Again, there's a big debate over that, but, 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 but so she didn't start from scratch. Now, positionally, uh, she, she did have multiple um, what we call, uh, you know, what we call that, what's the word, uh, positions in the, in the, in the monarchy, right? Because the way the monarchy works is as you, as you grow in influence, as you grow as an adult and so forth, that different positions that they give you 
right? Which is which is um, which is uh, which is symbolic, but also carries a lot of influence and power within the monarchy. But ironically, uh, once you once a king once you have a new king, they build their own structure and so forth. But in any event, so she kind of built her own businesses, her own organization, and so forth, so on. But she leveraged the legacy and she leveraged the wealth of her grandfather, right? Now, come to me. So, obviously, I didn't appear, I didn't, I didn't grow out of thin air, right? Um, you know, part of what has allowed me to do what I do is because my, my, my mother, the pretty I grew up in, was essential for me, right? In terms of my mother's financial support, my education, you know, growing up around, you know, money and all that stuff, that's been critical for me. But also the exposure, right? The exposure. So now on the inheritance part, right? That's where we're kind of stuck now. My sibling now is still struggling. My mother left a $10 million estate. When you look at the, the net worth of our estate, which right now, to be honest, it's losing value by the day because of our inability to get it together. And we're going to talk about how do you avoid that? How do you avoid the next generation um, being able to uh, not be good stewards of what you've built so that you are able to, able to leverage it to go beyond, to do more than you've done? And right now we're doing horribly. In part, the mistakes my mother made, right? And I, I will give you, a, a when we talk about this piece of, of succession, I'm going to give you a comparison to my father who had, no money, who was poor compared to my mother and how he did such a better job. You know, there's another book that I'm, I'm that I want to do eventually called Rich Dad, Rich Mom, Poor Dad. Right. Lessons I learned from my father and my mother. Right. Because I learned a lot of things from my mother. But I still learned a lot of things from my father. Right. And to show you that you can get gems from from all all angles. But in any event. So, so for me, but what I've benefited from to my mom was the legacy, right? The legacy. And, and, and that legacy embodies the values, the traditions, right? All the things that, all the things that are intangible that I caught. And, and, so, and so right now, to be honest, we are where we are is the question is, will that legacy continue beyond, beyond her or will it be redefined? Right, because I'm redefining my own. I'm God is giving me a calling and a gift thing that is building on top of that and doing its own thing. But I also want to preserve my mother's legacy. But I'm one of six children, right? How will that work, right? Or will this be? Will it be redefined going forward? Will that die with her and something new would appear? And by the way, neither is bad. I, I'm sorry. Let me say it again. The ideal situation is that it goes from, it's, the ideal situation is what you have with the Kennedys, the Rockefellers, right? What you have with the, with the Queen of England, right? Where it goes, it, it, it goes from generation to generation and enhanced, but, but not diminished, right? Versus redefined, right? And even though it can branch off to different trees, but the main tree stays intact. That's the ideal scenario, right? And we'll kind of talk about that. Now, so, so where we are, we kind of in this in this interesting situation, and we'll see how it work how it works out. But, but I'll talk about business succession. You know, how do you make those transition? How do you how do you effectively transition uh, your business, your legacy, right, and or the leadership 
of whatever you're building to the next generation, right? And, I, and I'm kind of telling you what, we, what I'm struggling right now with my family, uh, but I've helped many families make the transition successfully because one thing I specialize in is business succession. So, and right now I work with my own children and trying to position them, which is not easy, but by the grace of the Lord, you know, it's kind of working out slowly, slowly. So we're going to talk about succession because uh, if you're going to build to last, if you're going to build a lasting legacy, you've got to be, you got to understand how to pass the baton to the next generation. There are some signs to it and there's some art to it. And we'll deal with that. Now, because, by the way, wealth is built multi-generational, all right? What makes the West as great as they are? Because there's multi-generational wealth transfer that has occurred. What makes it difficult for Africa is that that has not occurred, right? Every, almost every generation has to start all over again, right? Um, and, so, and so that's been the challenge. Or every generation do their own thing, right? And don't build consecutively from what the others have done, right? Again, planting one tree and improving that same tree over versus branching off. Branching off is okay, but we ought to keep feeding the main tree, right? Going back to the example of the Queen of England, right? They've been building the, the same tree over and over again. There've been some branch off, but the main tree has been preserved over the years. And that's the thing about these companies that uh, Jim, Jim Collins picked out. It's been the main tree over and over again. And then the last thing we're going to address while we are in Kenya is going to be this idea of publishing your story. Again, one of the keys to building the last, the, the keys to building a lasting legacy is publish your story. You know, when you hear the word history, it's his story. So one of the challenges with Africa and Africans is that not enough of them tell their stories. There, there, there are not enough of their stories told. And so as a result, you hear these words, you know, like Africans don't do this or don't do that or, or uh, you know, only in America or only in Europe or the West, in part because we don't know the story of the Africans. <laughs> That's the reality, right? You don't know the stories. I mean, for instance, when I came to America, um, the way I was perceived by my friends was that I, I came from the jungle, walked with Tarzan, lived lived in a hut, right? And in part, because Africans have found a way to monetize poverty. We found a way to monetize misery. We found a way to monetize suffering. Friends, let me tell you something. You can monetize suffering, misery, and poverty and survive, but you will never thrive. Thriving is that you monetize, you learn to monetize your asset, your gifts, your strength, that you tell your story from the angle of success, promise, right? From your potentials. Tell your story. Don't be ashamed to talk about how blessed you've been. Don't be ashamed to talk about the wealth of your family. Don't be ashamed to talk about the tradition that you've known. Don't be ashamed. Tell your story. Yes, within our story, it's not perfect, but so is the Western story. So is the biblical story. No story is ever perfect. 
No story is ever perfect. I mean, I love American history, but my gosh, when I look at American history, the founders were broken. They were challenged. They were sinners. They had issues. They owned slaves, right? I mean, they, they were womanizer. They, they were drunks. They, they had issues. Some of them were unbelievers. But in the midst of that, they built a great nation. In the midst of that, they, they, left, they left a lasting legacy. In the midst of that, they laid a foundation for what would become the greatest nation in history, America. Right? So God have chosen to use broken, sinful human beings to do great and lasting things so that he, God, may be the one to get the credit and not we ourselves, right? The American story is God's story. It's not man's story. Because when you look at man, you see man's faulty, failings. You see man's weakness, man's vulnerabilities. When you look at God, you see the redemptive power of God working through men. That's the same thing for your family, the same thing for Africa. Let me touch on another thing. Publishing your stream, I said, but Patrice. So first, you said, Patrice, my story is not perfect. God needs an imperfect story. Patrice, my story is full of mess. God needs a mess. Because the key is you showing the, the redemptive power of God throughout your story. That in spite of all of this, look what God did. But, but. You said, but Patrice, I, I, but, but, but how are you so convinced? My uncle wrote a book on my father, on my grandfather called The Old Lion. And so growing up, we all read that book. And that book took my grandfather's legacy to a whole other dimension because it told our story from our angle. And that book did more to expand my grandfather's legacy than any other thing because I never met him. But it's as though I knew him. How? The book and the story that we're told. Publish your story. And then you might say, Patrice, Africans don't read. I'm so tired of hearing that. You've heard this, you know, saying, if you want to hide something from a black man, put it in the book. That is a lie. That is flawed. Let me tell you something. It's not that black people don't read or Africans don't read. It is that Africans have been taught to believe that don't read. And that myth is perpetrated. Also, it's the issue of access. We don't have free libraries in Africa, or at least in the Africa that I, I win, right? Very few players have free libraries. Secondly, books can be expensive, right? Thirdly, when was the last time you walk into an African bookstore? and how, how accessible it is. But I know of stories of Africans who say, Patrice, bring me a book. I wanna buy that book. When I take books with me, people buy. Africans do read. But what we have to do is expand the reading of the African. And what we have to do is push more books on the African story. Let me tell you something. Why would you be motivated to read when everything you read about yourself is bad? Nobody likes horror movies. So why would you want to read when all you read is how, uh, how great others are and how bad you are? The Africans will read more when the Africans start reading their own story. Tell your story. So we're going to have, um, that's why I'm bringing John with me.
We're going to have a, a, a workshop on how you can publish your story. And for some of you who have already done your story, how you, what are strategies to get more people to read your story? Because if you're going to build a last, one of the keys of building a lasting legacy is to tell your story, publish your story. That's why I, I write a lot of books. That's why I'm working on my mother's book. I'm working a book about my mother and my father. Why? Because I'm telling my story. You see, publishing your story, number one, it's your perspective to your story, right? Number two, it allows your children to, to capture the legacy that can build upon. Number three, it allows that to go beyond your own family and others to be inspired by it, right? Built a last, the keys to building a lasting legacy. The first thing, build a lasting marriage. The second thing, make sure that you have a strategy for how to transition your business to the next generation so that they can build from the same tree. The third thing, publish your story. Right? How do you publish your story? First, for legacy purposes. And second, for monetization purposes. Because telling your story can also be very lucrative, right? Can, can maybe eventually become a movie or TV series. Who knows where it can go? Right? Tell your story. I know you're saying, but Patrice, you don't understand. We have no libraries in Africa. You said it. Yeah, I did. Bookstores don't exist in Africa. Yeah, that's true. There are not, not many of them. You said, but also, Patrice, but, um, you know, Amazon, to buy books from Amazon, you know how expensive it is to get it shipped and a mailing system is not even effective. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. So there's a story about a a salesman who was sent to an island to sell shoes. And he gets to that island. And he gets there and realized that nobody in that island wears shoes. So they send him ahead and the shit was coming behind him. He calls back to headquarters. He says, guys, don't bother. Cancel the order. These people don't, buy, don't sell shoes. I mean, these people don't wear shoes. They don't wear shoes. So therefore, it's a waste of our money, a waste of our time. Cancel the project. Then years later, they send another salesman to go see if something has changed. He goes to that island. And when he gets there, he sees that they still do not wear shoes. He calls back to headquarters. He says, guys, double, triple the shipment. These folks don't wear shoes. We have the entire market to ourselves. We can teach them how to wear shoes. Until they're telling your story, publishing it, monetizing it, will you be, the, will, will you be among those who would teach the African? how to read. Will you be among those who will build the new libraries in Africa? Will you be among those who will tell the story from the African perspective? Will you be among those who will make accessible and available books so that generation after us can know that we can and we must build to last. We can build a lasting legacy from the African perspective. Well, Wherever you are, whoever you are watching or listening to this podcast, listen, I talked about the African perspective because I am going to Africa. I'll be in Kenya. But this could be from any perspective, from the American perspective, from the European perspective, from the Asian perspective, from the Latin perspective. It doesn't really matter. The principles are the same. My story could be a story of an American kid, of, of an Asian kid, of a, uh, a European kid, or a Latin kid, right? 
the stories can be, can the, the cultures can change, but the stories can run the same. The story of legacy, right? The story of building a lasting legacy, right? The story of pride, of culture, the story of thinking beyond our lifetime, right? The West have done it very well, and we can all glean from that. So if you enjoy this podcast, I want you to share it. Share it with your friends, share it with uh, your social media uh, uh, friends, share with as many folks as you can, because f- uh, friends share with friends. And as you share it, all right, encourage them to know that what they know about Africa may not always be true. As you share it, encourage them to know that their future is not defined by their past, that they can be the first to change the legacy of their family, right? They may not have the kind of heritage that I've had, but it doesn't really matter because they can be the first. I'm sure if I go back to my family, I don't know who he started with. I know it from my great, great, great grandfather's perspective, but I don't know who was the first. Maybe my, my, if I go down the line, maybe one of my grandparents was a servant, a slave. Maybe there were, I don't know, a soldier. I don't know where, where it all started. But all I know is somewhere along the line, my great-great-grandfather became somebody very significant and important. And then to continue, my grandfather continued, then my mother, and then I'm determined to also continue. What are you going to do? Are you going to continue the legacy that God has placed in your family? Or are you going to be the one to start the legacy? Whatever it is, you have a responsibility, especially as a Christian. With that, if you want to know more about the Neymar Project, how we can help you with training, coaching, and access to capital, visit our website at nehemiahecommunity.com, nehemiahecommunity.com. There you can learn about our training program, Biblical Entrepreneurship, Serve with Love, Identity and Destiny. You can also learn about our coaching program, right? Group coaching, individual coaching, elite coaching. You can also learn about access to capital how we can provide you direct financing or connect you with investors that are committed to investing in kingdom companies. Also, you can learn about how to become a member of the community because membership has its privileges. Become a member today and together we can transform the world. With that said, let me pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord enable you to steward those talents that are under your care. And may you steward them in such a way that one day, you can hear those wonderful words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll now make you rule over much. God bless you. Thank you for listening and watching. 